matter where you are. You are being watched. In today's world, no one is off the grid. Existing in the modern world has been forever changed. What's out there? What's out there? Most people don't want to know, but you are about to get clued in. This is Patriot Games. Patriot Games. We'll explore different intelligence, techniques, spycraft, and the latest cutting-edge technology that will blow your mind. We'll introduce you to pros who've spent careers in the intel community with incredible stories. We'll expose it all. Welcome to Patriot Games. And now your host, Greg Phillips. All right, folks, uh, this is a really unique opportunity in Patriot Games. Uh, you know, we sort of do some wide-ranging things, and we had Carry On and, and Catherine and others, and we've talked a little bit about how we do our Patriot Games and how we um, arrange the data in such a way that people could come in and work with us and try to help us find, you know, different paths or patterns or whatever in the data. And, and we're really trying to educate folks uh, not only about the technology, but about the methods for dissemination of the information. So as we acquire data and we um, ingest that data and we manipulate the data, these days what we're doing is we're using a form of AI um, to create sort of our own little search indexing in our search engines. So when you come into to, um, the Fusion Center, you can access the data that has already been indexed. And so... Being able to provide everybody with this kind of information is super important. One of the things we don't talk about a lot, but maybe the single most important thing that we do is help others disseminate this information. I don't think there's anyone that watches this channel. There's anyone that I talk to on a regular basis who doesn't believe what I'm about to say is true. There is no more important platform for dissemination across the board. I'm talking about mainstream media. I'm talking about all sorts of other things than true social. Um, I know there's been a lot of controversy about some things I've said about whether or not people should be using Telegram and all these different kinds of, uh, all these different apps. But the import, the import of true social in our world and in my world um, in particular uh, has become um uh, the single most important um, uh, method to disseminate. I know everybody's thinking about running back to Twitter and you got all these other things. So what what we wanted to do today was to bring in uh, justice from True Social. We're going to talk a little bit about the platform and we're going to talk a little bit about um, maybe some things that, that he may or may not be able to, to, to fully answer, but but really give everyone a flavor of just the, the professionals that work there, who these people are, and and what they believe. Because because the heart and soul of True Social really is the heart and soul of the tech team and of the developers themselves. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not taking a shot at anyone on the board. I mean, you know, of course we all love their people, but but and because we're a technology company at at, at our heart. Um, we recognize that the heart and soul of a of a technology company really comes from the heart of the people.
people that work there. And, and in this case, uh, Justice, welcome to Patriot Games. And uh, let's just have a conversation. Let's jump in and explain to people just, uh, just you know, the work that you guys do. And before we get off this thing, we'll uh, we'll definitely take a uh, a shot at uh, explaining my uh, uh, my position on um, Telegram. Yeah, well, Greg, thank you for having me. I am a huge admirer of your work, so it's really an honor. And yeah, I mean, true. There's so much speculation, and people are constantly like sort of trying to figure out like what's really going on behind the scenes. But the fact is, we're pretty transparent. I mean, our mission is to make a free and open platform for people to speak their minds without censorship, and we genuinely try to do that. I mean, the team is extremely committed to a fair and impartial um, platform where people can speak their minds. And, and that's really the mission, I think, personally for myself, I can only speak for myself, but I, I think that the team is very much in alignment <laughs> behind that mission. I mean, uh, just my team, I can tell you, this might be a fun little anecdote from, from inside the team, um, but my team, we are the internal tooling team. And we had a meeting not too long ago to sort of clarify our core values and just put them on paper, you know, sort of do some institutionalizing as a team. And I've heard that this sort of meeting can take days. People will just spend days on like an offsite discussing what their core values are. But on my team, we are all like reformed Baptists. <laughs> so it was like a 30 minute conversation, like love God with all your heart and soul and mind. Okay. We're done here. Uh, there's a little bit more to it than that, but it, it, it does sort of just illustrate the, uh, the unity we have, especially uh, on my team. But I think as a company, and I'm not saying everybody at true socials or reformed Baptist, it just happens to be this one team where, uh, you know, the engineering, uh, staff is, um, you know, reformers are highly analytical, I think. And uh, so they end up in engineering roles. I think that's kind of how it plays out. So, so um, if you don't mind, just how did you, how did you get to truth? I mean, was it a, um, was it a conscious path you took or did you just fall into it or did, did you, um, you know, was it an accident? What happened? It was providential in my view. And this is public information. I did a video on it and I actually have another video coming out uh, early next month on this. I was canceled in June of last year. I was working at a tech agency building software for various clients. And I posted a tweet tweet thread, because at that time, truth wasn't a thing, about um, the compassion of God and how it's actually compassionate for him to smite unbelievers and and people who who you know sin against him and he smites even believers when you know he chastens us with his hot displeasure for example is how the psalms put it and uh so and i said oh and one more thing i said pride is a bad thing right which during june that's uh you know secular uh, blasphemy oh, yeah <laughs> i didn't yeah. even catch it so. <laughs> and hey a literal satanist from portland uh, makes a spectacle out of this by posting it on Reddit and getting hundreds of upvotes, calling me a bigot and a fascist. And he, there were three tweets he was mad about. He was mad about saying, you know, pride is bad and, and, you know, God smites the prideful. He was mad about a tweet. I don't know if you remember this, but Burger King last year did a thing where they said they'll donate like a dollar for every chicken sandwich they sell to some like LGBTQ lobby or something like that. <laughs> And I, I retweeted that and I said, trash food, trash politics. So they were upset. <laughs> they were upset about that. <laughs> it's like the most benign possible. 
And then the last thing they were upset about was when I was traveling in hotels. And do you remember a, a year ago when all the hotels still had, you know, wear a mask and, you know, all the sanitation? And I, and I, I said, uh, you know, this is mask. I said, I called it mask fascism. And they were very, very upset that I referred to this as mask fascism. So those three tweets um, got me fired from a, a very lucrative contract and it made me a pariah in the programming community that I was pretty uh, like I had a podcast. I hosted multiple conferences as an MC. Um, we had done six seasons on the podcast. We did 10,000 downloads a month, which for like a niche programming language community project is pretty, pretty That's good. Amazing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I got very publicly canceled and then the, my, the contract that fired me, they put out this letter calling my views like, like bigoted and, and all this, and so it was very public and, you know, when it happened, it was pretty shocking, but, and I, and I really thank God for this. I think it was God that sort of <clears throat> guided my steps at this time. I, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, like I could have reacted, I could have like really like lost my temper or reacted in an unchristian way, or I could have, you know, caved and started apologizing and like begging for my job back. But I, I really didn't do any of that. And in the week following that cancellation, I got so much support from Christians in the technology community who I, I didn't even know they were there, but they obviously are also feeling like they cannot speak their minds without fear of losing their job. And long story short, one of those, one of those guys was the interim CTO at uh, at truth. And at that point Whoa. we were just getting started. Like this is, you know, my first lines of code on this project were in August of last year. Wow. So yeah, but, he know, was just like, know, for those of, for those yeah. of you that don't understand this, these guys absolutely performed a, a technology build miracle to go from first few lines of code to a launched product. in uh, what is that? Five months. Um, yeah. And it's even worse. It's insane. <laughs> it's, it's even wilder when you realize like we can't use any of the major infrastructure providers because right. they will cancel us. So right. we have to build a lot from the ground up. We, we, we had, we just, uh, uh, we just had to, we're setting up a new uh, privacy company called cloak. Hmm. Um, and, um, we had to move into a, a new data center that is basically clean. We had to establish our own racks. I mean, we, we're, we were down there today loading, yeah. loading up uh, uh, firewalls and, and other things, trying to get ready for our testing. And, uh, and I, can, I can totally relate. Um, we got kicked out. When the movie came out, we were doing most of our work um, in, in uh, OPSEC. So the main um, uh, fusion center work was being done out of a data center in Plano. Um, we had a, another office that, um, that we had on the campus of Mississippi State University. Um, they have a, uh, a technology center there. And in the technology center, there are two or three different um, um, data centers. One of them is a private one run by a private company. Hmm. The other is a, one, a supercomputer center run by the university and hmm. the state. Um, and then there are a couple other little smaller centers on there, but hmm. we use this office primarily for, um, for storage, but also let's just say that we, we, we wanted to give the illusion that, that we were, we were working out of there because if something ever happened and we got canceled, 
you know, we didn't want it to be devastating. So rather than telling folks that, you know, what the work, where the work was actually being done, we, we, you know, we helped give the illusion and we paid for it, uh, help give the illusion that, um, that we were doing our work there it was really just a cold store is really what it was. So we, we were keep, we were cold storing data in, in this office there in the data center. Yeah. And sure enough, the day the movie was released on May the 2nd, we got a, um, a letter from the university canceling our lease and wow. we were storing this data. Wow. And I remember thinking this back Mississippi? to Mississippi. Yeah. Can you believe what? it? Yeah, it's crazy. What happened was uh, the AP. I thought they were based. I thought that was like a man, good old boys college. Listen, Listen, I, I've been working there for years. I, I, yeah. I helped uh, run a governor's campaign there back in 1991. The first Republican governor in um, in uh, Mississippi since Reconstruction, a guy named Kirk Fordyce, most conservative governor person I've ever known, maybe, um, and uh, a huge mentor of mine. I ended up serving with him in his cabinet. Worked in that data center I, for a while. I ran his department, of Human Services, and um, I was just a kid too. I have no idea why. He, Pointed me in charge of anything, let alone the biggest department in the state. But um, the data center, that that supercomputer center, was just being set up there. This was in 1992, three, 93, maybe, let's say. And that supercomputer was just being set up there. We, my department did a deal with them as one of their first big departmental um, clients in the supercomputer center. Um, and so I knew all these people. When... When the word came out or some the AP got wind that we were, I think, gathering some, maybe I did, I don't even know, um, said something about this, you know, we do work at Mississippi State University um, in this in this tech center or whatever they call it. Um, and, and the AP picked up on that, sent an open records request to the university that Monday. And, and within two hours, they canceled it. Now, the, the president of the university was out sick, and, and uh, it was being handled by their PR guy, a guy that I'd known for you know, 25 years. But back in the day when, when Kirk got elected, I mean, we were the, we were the, only, we were the only kind of game in town uh, from a cons- true conservative perspective. And you're right. Mississippi is based. I mean, Mississippi is, is the, is the real deal. Oh, yeah. One of my really close friends is the chairman of um, Senate finance, a guy named Josh Harkins. And um, man, they pushed them. They put, they pushed through some amazing stuff. I mean, they are, they are true conservatives, but man, when it comes, when it comes down to, they might get beat up on about 2000 mules or me or Catherine or whatever. They cut and ran quick and hmm. uh, and left us hanging. It didn't really matter. As I said, we were just using it for a cold store. But yeah. you know what? You you know, that's where Patriot Games came from. You know, can, can I, I ask learned you to, about I learned this? how to play the game? Uh, yeah, I'd love to ask this because um, I think that there's a constant kind of dialogue, like certainly in the company, but I think in the broader community about um, like misdirection and how much we ought to be using and, and in what circumstances. How do you think about that? And also, I guess I should... You, I, I've been told, I don't know if it's true. I'd love to hear from you, but like, I hear that you're like ex Intel community. So like, how does that frame your, your thinking about sort of strategic misdirection? Yeah, I, I think that, uh, let me just broadly answer the question. I've been doing this in this space and a wide variety of fronts in and out of the United States since, uh, 1982. Hmm. Um, I did my first deal in, in, uh, Alabama in, in 1982 and, and it was, um, Back then, it was sort of called just straight out opposition research, right? Hmm. I mean, so, you know, we, but, 
But in the end, you have to do something with the oppo. And uh, back in 1982, we didn't have True Social. We didn't have any social media. We didn't even have an email. Um, and so our only real way to deal with it was either through ads or, or through, um, you know, uh, voices in the in the uh, mainstream media or or elsewhere. And, and forgive my naivety. So, but Oppo is short for Opposition Research, which is basically yeah, right d- determining sort of where people land on things or kind of what or, kind of or, compromising or, facts there are. Or, them. Yeah, could be. Okay. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in in the uh, the uh, bowels of uh, the Montgomery Advertiser that year, uh, okay. looking at microfish, trying to find you know tax records and all manner of other stuff about people, okay. and and so that's how I got into the business. And and to answer your question, the the while the methods of dissemination certainly have changed, and you know, and, and I hate to keep beating this up, but it's true. It, the the import of a platform like True Social. To have the variety of people that come into this, you have to understand that before all this happened in 1982 and and then again in the presidential cycle in 84 and 88 and beyond, we didn't have these mechanisms, right? So what you had was you had people sort of growing up in all of this business who didn't have social media to go to. We didn't have those kinds of things. There were all sorts of nonsense going on and we learned well the use of strategic misinformation and occasionally disinformation in the, in the sort of the game of war. I know uh, Flynn's got a book out or uh, coming out soon uh, the, about fifth generation warfare. So um, the fifth, fifth generation warfare is a concept uh, that has been around for, for quite a number of years. But if you dig into the book and you really start to understand it, that, that we already are at war and, and that information warfare is legit and it's real and it's destroying governments and people around the world. Yeah. Um, you get sort of a sense of the, the import and the, the, um, the need for, for, you know, strategic, uh, um, um, use of information as it, as it, um, emerges or, or, uh, comes out of your fusion center or however you're doing the work. And yeah. so for, so for me, it kind of comes natural, honestly. I mean, you know, we don't, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not going to tell you guys that, you know, the, the, you know, that we don't, you know, occasionally use disinformation because sometimes it's valuable and it's hard for the enemy to discern at times, whether or not we're using real information, misinformation, disinformation, whatever it is. Um, And it's not always just strategic. I mean, there are some tactical uses of misinformation that, that um, we use, you know, on a, on a regular basis and we don't use it amongst ourselves. I mean, you know, we, you know, we're pretty transparent with most of these things, but when we're involved in an op and we're involved in a, um, um, a, a, a project, if you will, um, the, the, in the uh, acquisition of the data, the, the ingestion of the data, um, the, analysis, the analytics, or the work that goes on around the data is all, is all pure. <laughs> it's, it's in the dissemination of that data that, that things, you know, can, can get a little fuzzy, um, in part because you don't want the, the other bad guys to know what you're doing, what you have, what they don't have. That, Catherine and I went to jail in part because these people have no idea what we have. They have, they have no idea. And they got confused. Because they were trying to get you to disclose your source. 
Yeah, but if you go back and look at the read the transcript of the yes, that's a hundred percent true. Yeah. But if you go back and read the transcripts um, of the judge's interrogation of me and of Catherine, what it was, what they and, and they're the two the two uh, plaintiffs' lawyers that were in there, just you know, I don't even want to get into them, but but the don't don't even name yeah. your enemy like yeah. the name of Pharaoh. Just let it disappear right. into the I, annals of I, history. I called them uh, uh, the. The um, wormwood and the screw tape and the wormwood brothers, and uh, and and <laughs> they that. literally wrote uh, these two lawyers literally wrote a demand letter to uh, every time I do something on True Social. Let me go ahead and say this: every time I do something on True Social or say something that is remotely controversial about this situation that Catherine and I find ourselves in with Connick and with this lawsuit and these two lawyers in particular, yeah. they send some sort of demand notice to the lawyer, to the, to the, to our lawyers ask demanding that we take these things down. Yeah. And uh, like, I, I, I look, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm mad about that. And so it, they can fully expect to bear the brunt of this anger for quite some time because I'm not going to get over this. Yeah. That what they did to us was absolutely outrageous. I mean, you were in jail for what, a couple of weeks. We were in the eight eight days. Okay, but, but yeah, man, still, I tell you, it, it, like, it was it was real though, yeah. Justin. I mean, we, I believe, we, no, I look, I haven't done. They took us days, out of there. But, yeah, they took us out of there and couldn't because we're, it was we were civil commits, which is weird. And so the marshals took us into custody on a civil commit. Um, took us down to the booking room. They couldn't quite figure out he, even how to book us. Is a civil commit? Is that like being held in contempt of court or? Uh, yeah, that kind of thing. It's a civil okay. matter. It's not a criminal matter. Okay. And 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 so we were held in contempt of court uh, for, on a civil case, but it wasn't even about the case. This was about a temporary restraining order that they had received ex parte, meaning they made up a bunch of lies. They submitted it to the judge, and the judge said, "Okay, I'll sign that." Hmm. And and then. They made us um, or they wanted us to basically agree to everything in this temporary restraining order, hmm. which we did. And we did. We complied with with who, one exception. Who was, was the restraining order? Like, who were they trying to prevent you from accessing? They were trying to. This, this is where I was going with this. Sorry, I got I distracted myself on my own show. The, <laughs> I got distracted you, but. The, cha- the challenge. He, they got confused. Yeah. Is the bottom line. They were reading about open ink, which is something that, you know, we've, we've been working with and holding for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they got confused with the rip cord. Hmm. They got confused with, um, um, some, some people trying to set us up by sending us files and trying to talk us into opening them. Hmm. And, and they got upset by my show and other shows that I've been on. So we get in there and they've got all this, what they were calling evidence that we were about to dump, you know, all the, this is the, the premise of the entire TRO was that they were telling the judge that we were, that we had hacked their system illegally in the United States and we're about to dump 1.8 million um, records full of um Personally identifiable information, PII, um, relating to the attorneys, or no, the, the that's a good question. Re- okay. Relating to what they thought they knew about Open Inc., 
about the ripcord, about mules, about they, they, they were so confused that you can't even really read anything in, into. So they were asking, they were saying, well, they, you know, the, the TRO basically was saying they shouldn't be able to release any more information and they need to tell us where they got the information because they committed a crime in doing it. So this sounds uh, like incompetence. That's a fair characterization of the uh, um, opposition attorneys, right? Um, you know, no? I, I actually, I actually think it's just pure evil. I mean, it's the reason okay. that I called them, um, okay. you know, the Wormwood brothers yeah. because because I just believe these people are evil. This is not. Yeah. This was not pleadings written by good people, right? Hmm. These were there was something evil about these people, and I was I was telling somebody earlier today during the hearing they were sitting behind me. Hmm. And, and so the, it was a kind of a, a, um, two tables that were sitting perpendicular to the, to the, to the bench, to the, to the judge. Hmm. And so it was ours and then, and then the, the plaintiffs behind us. And so my back was literally to them while Catherine was on the stand. Uh, we were up there each for maybe two or three hours. Hmm. Um, the judge interrogated us, these lawyers interrogated us, but while the judge was interrogating Catherine, these two lawyers were behind us laughing like literally mocking and laughing. And I turned around and said something to him that I, you know, I think I probably am going to get in trouble for, but, but, um, you know, it was so outrageous to me that, yeah. that this was being allowed in a federal court in front, yeah. of, in front of an article three judge. And yeah. they were allowed to laugh and mock us and say, and do all the things that they've done and lie in these pleadings. And I just couldn't, I mean, I, I'm still mad about it. I mean, uh, it sounds like the judge also was, like, I don't know, in on it or opposition or what exactly it was he corrupt or. Well, we're still in the case. So I, yeah, I need you to, say. you know, temper this a little bit, but yeah. I'll say this article three judges. These are judges that are, are the, the judges for life. So this judge was appointed back during the last month of the Reagan administration. And the way those things worked back wow. then was if you had a Republican Senator and a Democrat senator, in this case, it was Phil Graham and Lloyd Benson in Texas, and a and the, the the president was about to go. They would try to move judges off the list and into into the, these judgeships. Yeah, and they would pair them up. Yeah. So Senator Graham would say, "I want justice to be a, a judge," and. You know, Lloyd Benson would say, I want, you know, screw tape to be a judge. Mm. And they would say, okay. And that's how these guys would be judges. Well, mm. the problem with that is they're judges for life. Yeah. But here's the real heart of the problem. And I think this is something that, that Congress really needs to address. This has to stop what I'm about to describe. Once they get to a, remember, they're judge for life. So they mm. theoretically could have, hear cases until the day they died, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You know, right. she, she heard cases till she died. Um, but they can also retire and they can go on something called senior status. Hmm. So they still get paid $200,000 a year in retirement, but they can also come back and pick up cases that they want to pick up or that some yeah. lawyer talks them into picking up. Yeah. And in this case, he can't, he's, he's on senior, this judge is on senior status. I think he's in his seventies. I really don't know. Um, and, um, you know, his, um, you know, has, he has, can come has out of retirement to pick up cases. Has had some problems with the Fifth District um, Court of Appeals um, in the past. 
um, with some of his rulings. And there's been a few allegations of racism and other things that, you know, are, are in some of some of the uh, hearing or some of the uh, uh, court records in, in past years. And the only thing that I can surmise is that the less desire to silence me and Catherine during the um, the last eight days of that campaign, when they knew we had information that could that could move the needle in Pennsylvania, hmm. for instance, as an example, I was leaving. Had we not been put in jail that Monday on Halloween day and on, on October thirty first. Had we not been put in jail that day, I was leaving that afternoon to go to Pennsylvania and have a press conference about all the data that we had about Pennsylvania. Hmm. And they knew that. Yeah. Um, the other thing is they, you know, he had already been arrested. And so he was having trouble with, with his case out in California. Yeah. And, and they just, they were so. Sorry, who, who's he in this case? The, the CEO of the company that was Connect. suing us. Or is Connick. it Con Neck? Is that Connick. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we were also we were also deeply involved in Arizona and still are, um, and um, and they were going to do everything they could do to put us in jail. And frankly, I just don't think they ever really thought that we would say no when the judge said name your your source, and when we said no, um, I I just don't think I don't think they ever really thought that that would happen. But you know, it gave them an opportunity to shut us down for that last week. So that's what I think happened. But, but you know. Oh, the timing is deeply suspect. I mean, at this point, I don't believe in coincidences. Yeah. Um, Amen, brother. I want to ask you, we have to get to Telegram or else yeah, everyone yeah. will be I mad know, at me for not me, talking so. about it. Right. Um, well, I want to finish up on truth too. So, so, so let's yeah. go, let's go to there first. So you started coding um, in August you guys yep. launched this thing, pushed it out, and you know I've heard some stories from you know a few other insiders uh, about the challenges that you faced uh, going going into that last uh, going into that um, those, those faithful nights of the launch, and and mm -hmm. uh, you know and God was certainly with with the platform and with you all during all of that. There's no way it could have possibly not only gotten up, but stayed up, especially given some of the other challenges that you then faced in, in the succeeding months, um, you know, with performance and all the other things that, that were, were, were challenging y'all. But did you, did you, I know it was providential and I agree with you, but did you ever sense that you weren't going to succeed? Was there ever a time where you, th where, where your team's, thought, you know what, we just can't come back from this? That's a great question. You know, my faith really holds me up. And so I, I think I've got a sort of baseline of optimism. And I think probably naturally, just dispositionally, I'm an optimistic person. So I probably delusionally so. So I can't personally say that I ever thought that it wasn't going to work. I just... I felt like God was on our side. I still feel like God is on our side. I feel like um, his will will be done here on on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, I just, I can't, you know, speak for everybody else. I think that um, definitely, I'll give you an example. There was um, one day very, very close to launch where uh, someone on Twitter 
like had exposed uh, the location of our office and was, and was sending pictures on Twitter about like where our office was and what it looked oh, like. Gosh. And a bunch of us had just like, we had been working nonstop and we took like a really late lunch. It was like, like in the like afternoon, like three or four o'clock or something. And we walked up to this place for lunch and this news is breaking and we're, we're all looking at our phones and some of us are wearing hats and we're just realizing like, oh my goodness, like there could be reporters, like crazy people, Antifa. We had no idea what was about to happen. And I remember in that moment, there was like a lot of fear and anxiety and, you know, people like a lot of these guys are fathers, you know, they've got livelihoods, you know, they can't afford, um, like a massive cancellation and scandal and everything, or like, like God forbid, you know, if someone, if a crazy person showed up and tried to do harm. So I do remember in that moment, there was like some real anxiety and fear. And, you know, when you're in a group and, and suddenly that's, that's what's happening. There's like a, there's an urgency. Okay. We have to get somewhere safe. We got to get out of public. We got to lock the doors. We got to close the blinds. It's like, yeah. You know, we, we are on now a high alert sort of situation. Now, thank God nothing happened, but I do remember in that moment, there being like a level of anxiety where, you know, it's not just like whether or not this company or the startup is going to succeed, but it's this question of like, you know, is something terrible going to happen uh, as a result of, you know, basically it was essentially a, a corporate doxing, right? Like here, here's this group that is the most hated organization by the most rabid and uh, prone to violence people on the planet. Let's tell everybody where they are and how to find them and, you know, what their office looks like. So, uh, but as far as like, did, you know, it, I think the president is a great example of this. He's just constantly optimistic. It is winning is the sole object, the sole um, focus of our attention. And so this idea that like anything but that could happen to me, I, if it ever enters my mind, I'm just like, no, that's, that's not a, a thought that I want to entertain for very long. And, um, for others, you know, if that's a chronic problem, I definitely haven't noticed it. There, there's sort of a irrepressible optimism <laughs> in this group. And again, like there are so many like faithful believers uh, that are involved with this that I think that it, it just carries you so far. So. I love that, you know, and, and as I've, I've said, and I'll continue to say, I think it is the most important platform to any organization uh, that exists out there. All right. Well, let's, uh, I know everybody on my side would probably be wanting me to ask about, you know, are they ever going to, you know, what are they going to do about, you know, fixing all the DM stuff and all these other, what's coming next and blah, blah, blah. And, and my, my one question I have, and I'll do this next time with you is what is winning uh, because, um, yeah. you know, I think you've already won uh, at least this round um, or this battle or this game. Yeah. Um, and uh, what, what comes next? Uh, but uh, let's not do that. Let's uh, let's jump into to Telegram. And and um, so from your perspective or the perspective of those that have been kind of pounding on you guys and asking you, you know, what what was this all about? What, what What's your sense? What do you what do you think it's all about? Well, uh, to me, it's high stakes because Telegram is probably the most used platform outside of truth um, in our movement. It's certainly right. where most of the sort of behind the scenes, maybe it's Signal, you know, probably the actual like intimate cons conspiring is happening right. on Signal or in like other private channels. But I think Telegram is such a major uh, you know, broadcast operation for a lot of people in our movement yeah. that – you know, when, when you said, Hey, like we need to be getting off telegram, of course I'm like, yeah, 
get off Telegram. You know what I mean? Like that's our competition. We're rolling up, you know? Yeah. So, you know, when I, when I read that, I was like, good, get off Telegram. That's my competition. Um, but also, you know, I wanted to know like, Hey, what's the sauce here? You sure. know, what, what, uh, what do we know about Telegram that makes, sure. yeah. Well, well, let me take a run at it. Um, so, so I also want to take this chance just to be really clear. So I recommended that people really consider this and that, that, you know, at least for, for, you know, my family and my f- close friends um, and my colleagues um, that they needed to get off. And, and here's why. So, you know, you can, anyone could go read the stories about the origin of Telegram and, you know, how it came to be and, you know, whether or not you believe that it was a, you know, a Russian dissident or a, or a, um, you know, a, a, a group trying to help ISIS recruit or whatever mm-hmm. the store or the combination of the two. Um, I happen to have some knowledge about that and, and believe that to be true. That um, it was a combination of like Russian, um, what is that? There was, organization a, there was called? A, a Russian national. Um, actually, actually, I, th- I think he might have been an exile Russian. I'm not 100 percent sure. But not about a that. state actor. No. Okay. Um, but he built this platform that was ultimately used by ISIS to recruit their members, both hmm. na- both um, uh, intra and extra country. Okay. And and so somewhere in the 2015 2016 range, this whole thing blows up, and uh, several of the big intelligence agencies go to this cat who's running this thing and say, Hey, you got two choices. We're either going to shut you down. And cause he was out still publicly saying, no, no, there's no terrorists using telegram. It's not true. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and, um, I think most thinking people now believe and agree that he changed his tune fairly quickly post a meeting with the, uh, some of the most important intelligence, um, operators in the world at the time. Hmm. And the result of the conversation or there, there was kind of, my understanding is there was sort of an ultimatum. Look, either you allow us to plug in and watch or we're going to take you down and that's your choice. And so he God. decided this person decided to keep it up and running. And uh, the way he did that was to poke a hole in it. And that hole was then visible but it was exploited by everyone. It wasn't just the United States, um, uh, I see, or the intelligence community. It was also, you know, other good guys around. Um, and, um, and of course, Israel and everybody else, but also China. Hmm. And so, so, and everyone knows can, can, this. Can I just ask, because yeah, sure. my understanding right now with the way our, like, Central Intelligence Agency works is that they are basically the hub of international data collection for all the international intelligence community. And so if they got this kind of backdoor into Telegram, I mean, that's not just a backdoor for them. It's a backdoor for English, Israeli, Australian, everybody, probably Chinese. You know, is that is it everybody's just now getting everybody's Telegram messages? Yes. And it's it's worse than that. It's not just that they're getting messages, but, but they are. Um, um, they are doing several things. First of all, they're infiltrating with and seeding um, some of the groups and some of the um, more nefarious groups with information that is really bad. So we, we had an experience with it back, I can't remember when it was, maybe last year sometime, 
uh, where literally somebody tried to set us up by sending a file. They wouldn't tell me who they were. I ended up in this group. Maybe this was earlier this year. I can't remember. Um, somehow I ended up, I, I hadn't been on Telegram for maybe a couple of days. Um, and I was on there for a particular reason. And, and um, next thing I know, I ended up in this group and somebody sends this file, which I later learned was a complete setup by the United States government. Um, had I opened the file, I would have been in a world of trouble because of what we believe was now was in the file. Um, and this is starting to kind of eat, leak its way out. That, that's not what happened. That's not what this was all about. So what happened was um, we became aware of some of these holes and we started to probe a little bit into some of those holes and how people used them and, and what they were used for. When you say holes, you're talking about the back doors for the, the back doors. Right. Okay. And so the, 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 the easy ones are to see the infiltrators, right? I mean, those are the, you know, the glowies and everybody else. And, you know, they show up and, you know, who's this guy, where'd he come from? You know, glowies for people who don't know are like federal operatives. Right. right. And they get, yeah. you know, or, or yeah, that's right. And, and so, that's sort of what we believe to be the extent of it. Um, that account, by the way, that I had for, for a little while, we killed almost immediately without, you know, not before using it as a means or a way to exploit what had happened. And that's how we knew that, that, that piece of it was going on, that, 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 that glowy sort of shilly kind of thing where the, you don't know who these people are, who's paying them or how they got there, how the information got there or what's in that file or blah, blah, blah. Can, can we, and, okay. So, I mean, so, uh, by the way, the telegram guys, it's actually two, two Russian brothers named the Durovs. Okay. So Pavel right. and I think Dmitry Durov, right. uh, sorry, Nikolai, Nikolai and Pavel Durov. Um, and, so, so that's, those are the founders. I mean, I, I, I would be, I, I feel like I'm obligated to ask, okay, so this uh, series of events of them um, being sort of, um, I guess, you know, blackmailed by the intelligence community in, into putting, is black extorted, blackmailed into putting uh, backdoors into the software. I mean, what, if somebody wants to know more, like, is there somewhere they can go and like read yeah, this plenty. and find? Yeah, sure. There's plenty out there that they okay. can, they can just do it. You don't even have to go far. I yeah. mean, it's, you don't have to dig. It's, it's mostly on the surface. So that's kind of an open secret. And then you've got sort of back channel confirmation of this. Correct. Got it. And, and so what happened was the, 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 when we decide, when I sent that notice out, it was sent, um, immediately following a meeting that I, I went to in, um, yeah, let's just say in Northern Virginia and the, purpose of the meeting was to show some information that had been gathered post the, the conic, um, raid. So when Los Angeles County arrested Eugene, Yu, they raided his office. They collected over th 300 terabytes of information. Um, a lot of data. Um, I understand some of it's still being gone through and they're, they're still working on it out in LA County. The FBI still is. Still under lock. Well, it's it's actually the the L.A. County D.A. and the contractor they hired. Huh. Interesting. Okay. But what caused Who do me we to trust more or less? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Like FBI or yeah, so, L.A. Yeah, police. But, so right. Telegram, the FBI, you yeah. know, China, you know, what do we do? Um, and so 
there was some information presented to me that night um, that it was an all-night meeting, literally all night. I went back to um, back to DCA to get on a flight and uh, was just kind of shaken by it all. I may have even sent this this uh, this truth post uh, from that flight. I can't really recall. Um, what I was presented with was um, a screen captured video of a floor full of Chinese operatives with all with with a, with with thousands of telegram channels open and evaluating using AI evaluating what was going on inside those channels but even more startling was the people in the channels and the proximity of those people to both true social and to me and to my teams. Meaning so what, like, like the accounts that they were using were accounts that you've seen in, you know, telegram channels or, or true social. Yes. And huh. all of the information, all of the things they were saying about the conic situation. Yeah. All of the things they were saying about us. Yeah. Uh, as individuals. Um, and uh, so, so this is CCP trying to discredit you. Well, they were, they were, their- or they were watching um, people that I know and formerly trusted. Yeah. Talk crap about us hmm. and had it all record. And, and these, these people have it all recorded. And, and it was so startling to me because of who the people were. Um, so there are who, who the people were that they were observing the, the were Chinese, observing. I guess, right. troll farm operatives. Right. right. Okay. Right. A few of them on my payroll were on my payroll. Got it. Um, these are just and, accounts that these trolls were like following or interacting with. Yeah, but it was more than just trolls. It was, um, it was the, the, the channels were exposed. So they didn't have to troll it. They just had to record it because of the backdoor hole. Mm-hmm. Okay. And all of this information was presented to me uh, by two people that I trust enormously. Yeah. Um, that have every confidence of mine. And, well, it sounds like the evidence is irrefutable regardless of who the source was, right? Yeah. And in fact, some of the people that yeah. complained the loudest on True Social and are still a little unhappy about this are a few of the people whose, whose information I've seen. And their, their posts were information that I've, I now have. And, um, I'm, you know, it's, um, you know, it's a, it, it's frustrating for sure, but, you know, I'm a big boy. I've been around a long time. So yeah. my post in advising my friends, my family, my colleagues, and everyone to put down Telegram was legit and it was real. Hmm. And uh, as I said, eventually, you know, you may not believe, I think I've said something like, you may not believe me now, um, but someday you will. And yeah. someday they will. Yeah. And so it, unless you want everything you're typing, exposed to the public, exposed to the CCP, and then used, speaking of disinformation and misinformation, and then used either against you or 
or in ways that you didn't anticipate, I'd be very careful, very careful. And for those of you who's have talked crap about me and that I paid you while you were doing it, um, you know, we'll get to that later, but you know, right now, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous app. Those back doors are very dangerous and, um, and they're real. Yeah. And, um, you know, and that's, that's what, that's what prompted the whole thing. Got it. Well, personally for me, this is a sufficient explanation of, uh, your concerns. Um, you know, I think people just wanted to, like, what is this brief that he's describing? Yeah. You know, what, what are the details? And for me, that sound, I mean, frankly, it's a company found by a couple of Russian brothers who were already like, I don't know if they were billionaires, but they founded VK. So these guys are like extremely powerful and definitely obviously not. Tr- I mean, the one dude still lives in Dubai, right? Like right. I just don't, tr- I just don't trust <laughs> Russian if, computer if you, science geniuses. Yeah, um, if you get into the story, yeah, you really would have a hard time trusting the app. But if you see, yeah. if you see your friends or I hate to say friends, but if you see your colleagues, people that you know, I mean, it would be, I can't even, you know, I, I don't have a good parallel for you, but, but it was like if some of those guys that were at that lunch with you, um, you know, where you all realized all of a sudden maybe the bad guys are coming. Yeah. And then you went back to the office and realized that, you know, they had written the bad guys to tell them where you were at lunch. Yeah. It's that, it's that kind of thing. Like, cause it's not just, Oh, this platform, you know, this Russian founded platform is spying on us and giving away our information to intelligence agencies. Right. But it's that we have on the inside of our own organization, people who are assets for the opposition. Utter betrayal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, bet- the lowest rung of hell is reserved for betrayers, according to Dante. So yeah, um, do you have time? Cause I do want to kind of talk about yeah, one sure. other thing that just came up. Um, we talked a little bit about the glowies. Um, this is like a phenomenon where uh, like Kevin, I think everybody knows Kevin. Yeah, sure. <laughs> he's become, he's become famous, you know, the cult of Kevin. I know, um, right? But, but we talk about this all the I, time. Where I, it's I seen- follow the cult of Kevin. Oh yeah. He's, he's even better than his online persona <laughs> makes him out to be. Um, I love him to death. He honestly is one of my best friends. But we talk about this all the time that there do seem to be just accounts who, um, they're usually anonymous, but not always. And it seems like their entire purpose is to like cause division. And now right. it's happened a couple of times where, like to me personally, um, they'll, they'll just invent a story wholesale right. and it's preposterous. It's clearly preposterous, uh, but they'll just double down on it, double down. On, even once you've clarified them and like, this is obviously nonsense. Like I, right. you know, like what, like it's just a complete fiction. So, I mean, what, I guess, what, what do you know about this phenomenon? What percentage of these people are paid actors? What percentage of them are like feds, like employed by the state? And then what percentage of these people are just like brainwashed or, or like MK ultra into being, um, divisive sort of uh professionally obstinate people i think it's about a third a third and a third okay i i I don't really know if there are any actual well that's not true i know of a few actual feds that have been involved in this kind of thing yeah Uh, but typically they don't want to get themselves all all muddied up and um and and so they'll 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 hire these um CIs, these human 
or these these assets. And, Sorry, CI. Um, yeah, a confidential informant. Got it. Okay. And and they'll hire these guys and give them cash mm-hmm. and get them to go stir things up and go yeah. bring them things and and find out things. And so that's yeah. why, I, in fact, I, I sort of and and Taylor, Taylor just wrote and said, and and the rest of it is because some people just suck. Um, well, and, 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 and I, I do know that some people are true. just trying to get a platform and they know by yeah, attacking sure. bigger. So, I mean, at least that I can understand is like selfishness. I can also even understand these people who are just, you know, some people are just disgruntled by disposition right. and will, are are just, perf- you know, how do I put it? They're just always upset. And that's another like personality. But then there are these people that are being paid right. and federal agents who have made it their job to... Right destroy american citizens and i guess that last group i mean they are the most wicked and i'd like to know like is there evidence like how do you identify those ones how do you you know expose them is there any like channels for justice against these people and also am i correct in understanding that um i mean you i think i mean you you were somehow involved with ic at least that's what I've heard. And you can tell me if I'm wrong, but uh, my interactions with them in a professional capacity, how do I put it? They were not nearly as like impressive as I expected them to be. Like I thought FBI guys were like super, or maybe they were playing dumb, but I was like disappointed. I was like, Oh, these guys are like the best of the best, but it's like, no, they're just like, you know, uh, like shills of the government and they're really no yeah. better than any government employee, which is generally like the calibers and that high. So am I, am I, am I, am I being deceived or no, no, no. you're not. And, okay. And, 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 look, let me put it to you this way. Yeah. This was said to me by a guy who is, um, he's a senior um, agent at the bureau. He's um, done a lot of work. Um, he's involved in the intelligence community um, he's been everywhere. He's been to Pakistan. He's been everywhere, you know, with the Bureau and has a really storied history and, and, um, and, uh, someone that, the, 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 we knew pretty well. And he said it to me this way. We were, I was fussing about something one day. And what I was fussing about was the 2000 mules data. And, and it was frustrating to me because they, they, even though they had the data, they wouldn't really look at the data. Right. Um, and the reason they said that they wouldn't look at it is because they couldn't really find a nexus to enough money. So it didn't have anything to do with the stolen votes or elections or anything else. But they were trying to find a nexus to money. And 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 if you said, okay, well, these people are paid, you know, X number of dollars, and they would say, well, you know, we helped get the guy arrested in Yuma, Arizona, for, or Yuma County, Arizona, and he only made $2,000 or something or whatever the number was. And, and so we just can't, you know, we just can't, the, the, what, what this guy said was, so I go and I meet this guy and, and I'm just frustrated because, okay, so all you care about is, you know, the money, but what about this? And what about that? And these guys are seasoned dudes, right? They've been, mm-hmm. you know, they look at the bombing in Nashville or they look at the bombers in Austin and, you know, and they're, they're down on the border every day, you know, fighting fights that none of us can even imagine. Right. And, and, uh, but this guy's an IC guy and, and has, um, you know, his job is to surface data. That's his job. Um, so that comes from, you know, somebody like us or, or, you know, a bad guy or something, his job is service data. He may not be able to use that data. He may have to take it and go give it to somebody else. And I'm still fussing what, 
why can't somebody just look at this thing? And we already sent it to Atlanta and then they lost it. And, and I was going through all this stuff and he's sitting there just very calm, just kind of looking at me. And, and finally he says it this way, you know more about this topic than anyone at the FBI. There's no way we can create what you've done. And, and it just is what it is. And I mean, and I, it was so, it was so enormous. Even after 40 years in this business, it was so enormously deflating to have someone tell me that I know Greg knows more about this geospatial analysis and, and, um, this, this type of work than anyone at the bureau. I was like, that, yeah. that just, it just can't be. And, yeah. and I, I don't know if he actually meant it or not, but he did, but, but that was his admission to me. Just remember, yeah. you know more about this than everyone else. And, and I think that's what we're kind of dealing with. We're yeah. dealing with the guys and ladies that are, their job is to surface the data. Yeah. But investigate. But, yeah. Sometimes you, <laughs> the Bureau sometimes of investigation. you get something and now it goes off into, you know, some sort of case agent's hands yeah. and he or she doesn't know, care, or have any experience at all with this kind of analysis or this kind of yeah. data. Now, the good news is on that front, uh, they are hiring a few analysts that are mm -hmm. that are uh, really super skilled at this. This was mm -hmm. two years ago, but um, but they're doing a little bit better. But but man, don't they're just they're just like regular folks, and and while they you know they've certainly been trained well by the United States government, um, you know from what I've read. Seems like anybody that thinks like you and I think, you know, might be finding a way to get to early retirement or something like that. So it's really, really amazing. Okay. What else can we take on here before, before we let, let, let this thing go? And you, and, you want uh, some curveballs? I've got, got two curveballs. I'd love Fire to throw away. Just like they're kind of fun. Um, curious what your, uh, your, your theory is about the uh, J6 pipe bomber. You know, we've looked at that. Yeah. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. Have you talked about this on the show? Uh, only, no, I don't think so. Um, we okay. talked about that we were thinking about doing it, but I don't know okay. if we've actually talked about it. So, yeah. so here's what I can tell you about that. Uh, and I'll pick, I'll pick this back up with you. So it's not too much of a curveball. I'll pick this back up sure. with you, but we bought this data for a different reason. It's actually mm -hmm. the January 5th, um, data. So for those of you that don't know, there was a pipe bomber that supposedly went to the RNC and went to the DNC, walked around that big block that right. it, those two, those two buildings are, are, uh, Oh, you quarter. bought the cell phone data for that day in that location, but, but oh. not for that. Saying we oh, bought for, it earlier. Yeah. 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 So what happened was there was a, there, we were, you know, we were deep off in the Gwinnett County, Georgia data, and yeah. we were trying to figure some things out. And we found looking at building the pattern of life around one particular individual in Gwinnett County, Georgia, hmm. building the pattern of life around that individual, we learned that this person went to D.C., had never been to D.C. in all the pattern of life and has never been back since as far as we know, but went to D.C. to an office building about a block and a half from there. Um, at 10 o'clock at night on the 5th. And there we also have the pattern of life around that time 
and for that individual where he went the next day, um, the seedy hotel that he, he went and stayed in and in, uh, in, uh, Maryland. And, uh, we've got, a, we've got an awful lot of information around all of that. And we were building that out when our little blow up happened with the FBI. So, hmm. so we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll come back. You and I will come back to that at another time. That's pretty funny. Cause, uh, I didn't expect you to have any, uh, like firsthand information. I, I kind of just was curious what your, uh, it's Patriot games, man. This is, this is, this is one of the great ones. The, all right, you want the last one? Uh, Fire away. Like, Let's do it. What? Oh, what's your theory of the Vegas shooter? Man, you know, well, I have I have theories like everybody else on this. I don't have any direct data, so okay. so I can't help with that. Sorry, um, you can just wildly speculate. No, no. <laughs> look, look, it it from from what I understand from a ballistics perspective. It's not possible that all of those shots were fired from that window in that time frame uh, at that trajectory. Okay. And so there must have been multiple shooters. Yeah. And there has to be answers to that that they just don't want to tell us for some reason. Um, you know, I, I, like everybody else, would, you know, love to know, you know, that, that dude was pr- pretty random. I mean, yeah. you know, they probably, you know, put him in that place to who somebody put him in that place to do what he did. Yeah. But, but the trajectory of those shots from, from what I've read and what I understand uh, could not have been done. In fact, in fact, there was one set of the shots, as I understand it, that, that was, yeah, that, that he, he couldn't have done because he would had to have kind of turned his, his self around the building or yeah. the side of the building uh, to make to make the shot uh, for one of the people that was killed, and okay. it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. I mean, and and, and well, I think what what frustrates everyone. And now going back to what I was just saying a few minutes ago about other people, you know, the the FBI telling me it was a whole different topic. But you know more about this topic than everybody else. I yeah. bet you that there is someone, um, you know. Uh, uh, some sort of um, ballistics forensics guy, you know, that has yeah. all of the information that I have on the geospatial yeah. side that they're yeah. probably telling him, you know, you know, John Doe, you probably know more about this topic than anyone else on the planet, including those of us at the FBI. Hmm. Uh, I'd like to think that wasn't true, but I just don't. Um, well, it, I mean, it the fact that they like won't it, come out and explain it. Yeah. They won't come out and answer the questions. That's enough, right? I mean that that is what really I think sets people off, and in fact, it yeah. launches the conspiracies. It launches the things that they say they don't want. They don't want yeah. these conspiracy theories, but yet they refuse to give us the information about the shoot angles mm-hmm. that would help clear the whole thing up. And if they would yeah. just do that, then maybe this would go away, and people could take this out of you know out of the the lexicon of 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 the conspiracies. I mean, do, do you think conspiracy don't. theories are unreasonable? Like, I mean, because the conspiracy theory. I mean, I actually don't know the conspiracy theories around this particular case that that much. Um, I was just curious because it seems like something you might know about. Uh, but it does seem like the obvious, like immediate, conspiracy, is just false flag. The government set this up for you know anti gun reasons or as a distraction or to like you know test out an MK Ultra like operative or what. There's a million reasons that you could conceive of, and I, yeah. I guess the question is like, is it really? 
I mean, like I've noticed this about the JFK thing, you know, they don't even deny it anymore. Right. <laughs> you know, like no one's like, oh, no, 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 no. Like it definitely like Lee Harvey Oswald was definitely not a CIA operative. like that. That does never not not even come up anymore. So it's like if they're not even willing to deny involvement, you know, the the question is just like, well, why should we trust that you're not participating sure. in these things? Yeah, exactly. when you're the only ones that seemingly have the resources to execute such a thing. I think we'll go ahead and end it on this because I think we just named. I think we just named the uh, the episode here. It, it, is it a conspiracy theory if it's true? Right. Look, it- I don't even. I feel. I mean, personally, I've sort of changed my epistemology on things recently in the last couple <laughs> of years, where I've gone from being someone who are like, I need to see all the evidence, and I need to like have a comprehensive, data driven approach to like understand the narrative of this event or whatever. And I've sort of backpedaled in that a lot because I've started to realize that actually all you really need is like a reasonable heuristic and principle of knowledge, which says, well, biblically, all people are depraved. So what's the most likely scenario? Like, like, for example, with the vaccines, like, is the vaccine going to work because people are good or is the vaccine going to fail because people are idiots? Well, it's going to fail because people are idiots, right? Like the heuristic that people are dumb and evil is always correct. <laughs> like it never fails. And then when you get into like, you know, uh, all, you know, uh, you know, was Lee Harvey Oswald a CIA asset or whatever? It's like, I don't know if he was a CIA asset. That's actually beside the point. All I need to know is that definitely people are lying about this thing and people who know about it are lying about this thing. And they're not right. even willing to deny that they're lying about it. So it's like just basic, reasonable heuristics and principles of, of reason then you don't need, you know, comprehensive sets of data to come to reasonable conclusions about things. It's okay. The, the other ones with the virus, right? Everyone's like, Oh, it came from a wet lab, you know, in the, in the city where there's the novel, you know, the novel coronavirus came from the uh, city where there's a novel coronavirus lab, but it definitely didn't come from that lab. Like I don't need to be a virologist or an epidemiologist, or I don't need to have any like data at all, except for that one data point that makes it m- well, like the likelihood of it being from the lab is just beyond a reasonable doubt at that point alone, let alone, you know, Matt Ridley coming out and doing the whole, yeah. like all these doctors, Matt Ridley, other biologists um, coming out and saying, yeah, this thing's probably from the lab. And, you know, uh, it's almost just like, you know, basic principles of reason will get you close enough to the truth. And then so all the true. data just confirms what you already know. Man, this has been the most fun I've had on one of our Patriot Games episodes in ages. Justice, you are oh, man, absolutely amazing. I love you, Greg. I love you. I love Taylor. I love uh, what you guys do on Truth and what you're doing for the country. Catherine, I'd love to meet her one day if you absolutely. ever want to Listen, introduce I'm, me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out. I mean, we're all going to get on a show together. This will be a blast. I mean, come, she come will on my live stream. Oh, we'll, we'll blow yeah. it up. Let's do it. Honestly, I would fly. We could do it. I are you so Catherine's in Arizona and you're she, she's in Texas most Texas. of the time. Okay. Um, I kind of flit around between Texas, Alabama. Sometimes I'm down there mm-hmm. by you guys. Um, okay, uh, but you know we'll figure this out. I mean this Let's is this is worth it. it. This would be, this would be an absolute blast to, to yeah, get yeah. with you guys. Look, she she's like she's like I am. Look, we love you guys for what you've done. You've 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 given voice to, you know, a lot of people who who either were canceled off of Twitter or who just were afraid to get in the fight. Um, And now they're able to, you know, there's there's people out there that are, you know, mixing it up right now. 
um, that, you know, a year ago when y'all first started this, you know, first started the programming on it, these people, these people, they were, they were mad about 2020, but they weren't in the fight. And now because of true social and the work that you've done and all that you people are and, um, man, I, I mean, there's an entire war room of people now in the fight. Thanks to true social. Well, it's been an honor to serve them, and thank you for so much for having me on Patriot Games. It really means a lot. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see everybody next week. Patriot Games. PatriotGames.com Now, back to your host, Greg Phillips. When we started Patriot Games, we had absolutely no idea how we were going to be able to put this together. And uh, uh, Taylor, our executive producer, and and all of us just uh, kind of jumped in and started putting together equipment and started putting together the the pieces that ultimately became this. Um, I'm so grateful for the the people that have signed up to support us on Patreon um, and it's it's really sort of gratifying and humbling a little bit uh when we first started this and then launched that first episode of the prelude um we didn't even really know what to think uh we just kind of stuck it up there we stuck a camera up there i don't even think we had all our lights lit the you know we had all manner of stuff going wrong um but uh for those of you that have chosen to uh support us through patreon i can't thank you enough um we're going to get you some interesting information. We're going to give you a list of, uh, of some of the episodes that are upcoming and let you have an early look at that. And, uh, we'll continue to provide you with new and interesting information. Appreciate y'all so much. Please, uh, if you're so inclined, uh, support us on Patreon, it'll help us, uh, continue to make this program better for everybody. You've been listening to Patriot games. Privacy is a thing of the past. No matter where you are, you're being watched. No one is off the grid. The intelligence community has access to technology that most Americans can't even imagine. And this show is here to expose all of it. For more info, to contact, and to stay up to date, visit the website at patriotgames.com. Until next time, keep your eyes open.